0: Hello, and welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jillian Pelkey, and it's my hope and prayer that you will activate your faith by exploring the Word of God with me, and that we will activate our lives by applying the Word of God as we serve God and we love people. If you'd like to hear more Activate Podcasts, you can search Jillian Pelkey on soundcloud.com, YouTube, or on iTunes. We're going to talk today about the subject of rest. And it's a subject that starts in Genesis, it goes into the law of Moses, it goes into the life of Jesus, and then it, even in the very end of the age, when we look at our final rest, the subject of rest goes as a thread right through the whole Bible. So we're going to take a look at that, but let's pray together before we dive right into the Word of God. Jesus, we come before you today and we thank you that you have designed each one of us so uh particularly, that, God, you have uh, put us together and you know us better than we even know ourselves. So, God, I pray that we would trust your way. We would trust your design, that, God, when we lean upon your word, when we uh, activate your word into our lives, that we will have the best life possible. Jesus, I pray that you would uh, open up our hearts to hear about rest today, that it would truly uh, change our lives and change our action steps and the, the choices that we make day to day. We thank you that you've given us so much in your word. And Lord, we thank you for our time together today. Be with us in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to start right off in the book of Genesis. And we know that God spoke and it happened and the world was created. And on the seventh day, what did God do? he rested. And God's rest was not because he was tired, was not because uh, he was so worn out from the tasks he had just performed, but he rested as a model and an example to us for all time, that he took a day of rest to enjoy what he had created. And uh, as we'll see, we need to take time to rest and enjoy what God has created. But that's our first example is God resting um, right there. And then in the creation of the nation of Israel, God is giving the law to Moses and talking about all the different things that the, the people of God are now supposed to do. And in Exodus 31, verse 13, it says, he, the Lord's talking to Moses and he says, Tell the Israelites, you must keep the rules about my Sabbath. This is because they will be a sign between me and you from now on. In this way, you will know that I, the Lord, am making you holy. So first it says that this will be a sign uh, between you and I. So the the idea that the Israelites were able to rest is a sign of trust in God. You can't rest if you're worried about uh, your crops growing or food for your children. You can't rest if you are worried. And so resting would be a sign between the Israelites and and God that they were dependent on God. When we rest, we're showing trust in God. The Sabbath rest proves we are holy. I'm going to say that again. The Sabbath rest proves that we are holy. Right there, it says, the Lord, I, the Lord, am making you holy. So he's saying that an example of holiness is rest. Do you see the correlation here? When we rest, we're saying, God, we trust you. God, we love the things that you've created and we're enjoying the things you've created. Most times, people will hear directly from the Lord when they're on a retreat, when they're alone, when they go for a walk in the woods. When we rest, we open up a pathway for God to talk to us. When we rest, we're in a place where we can hear from the Lord differently than when we're running from Aaron to Aaron folding laundry, answering questions, working, riding in our car, trying to pay attention to the cell phone going off. But when we rest, it's interesting that the Lord tends to speak to us most. But this verse here is saying that the Sabbath rest proves that you're holy. It shows that you're holy because you're trusting God enough to take that time. Now, there's been a controversial subject through Christianity in different circles over what the Sabbath rest looks like. Is it always on Sunday? Is it for the whole Sunday? Some people would go to the extreme to say that they won't do any work on, on Sunday from sunrise to sunset. They won't uh, do a dish, cook a meal, do anything. That's the extreme side of it. Some people say it doesn't matter what day it is, but you need to take a rest. And so we see God modeling a day of rest Then we see him give the law to Moses. The law is take a day of rest and it will make you holy. Take a day of rest and it will prove uh, that um, you know me. It'll be a sign between us. And it will also be a sign to other people around you that you trust in your God. But then we have to look forward to uh, what happened with Jesus. When Jesus came, he came so that the law would no longer be written in ink, on tablets of stone, but it would be written on our hearts. It says that when Jesus came, when He died, rose again, when the Holy Spirit came, then we had the law of God written on our hearts, the Spirit of God within us. And this allows us to know God in a completely different way than Moses and the nation of Israel knew God because the law is written on our heart. And Let's see what the Lord Jesus says about the Sabbath. We're going to look in Luke chapter 6. So we looked at what God did. He modeled the Sabbath rest. We looked at what happened in the the time of Moses when God gave them specific orders about the Sabbath and keeping it holy. And now we look all the way forward into the New Testament in the book of Luke chapter 6. Jesus uh, is walking through some grain fields with his disciples, and they pick some grain and begin to eat it. And the Pharisees, the religious people of the day—now, this is a a thing for us to realize. We're the religious people of the day, so we need to be so careful because the religious people of the day tend to be the ones that don't trust Jesus. They tend to be the ones that don't uh, trust and have faith like a child because they feel as though they've figured it out by rules, by the, the things that they've read. And by um, accomplishing good works. And so we need to be very careful because we can find ourselves right in that same category as the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Jesus' day. So here's what happens Jesus and his disciples are picking grain and eating it on the Sabbath. Some some of the Pharisees asked, and this is Luke chapter 6, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And so they're referencing back to the law of Moses, and they had specific instructions on what to do and what not to do on the Sabbath. Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. The son of man is Lord of the Sabbath, meaning that. Jesus coming, Jesus, the son of God is, is over the law of Moses. All right. So then in verse six, it says, on another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and he was teaching and a man whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew that they were thinking, what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he stood up in front of everyone. Then Jesus said, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? He looked around at all of them and said to them, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees, the religious people, and the teachers of the law were furious, and they began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Why were they so mad? They weren't mad because the man was healed. They were mad because he healed uh, this man on the Sabbath day. And so here Jesus was not obeying the law of Moses. So, does this excuse us from obeying the law of Moses? Does this excuse us from um, keeping the Sabbath? The principle of the Sabbath is this Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And that means that Jesus came to fulfill every bit of the law. So, our Sabbath rest is Jesus. Our Sabbath rest is found in Jesus. There's another another point here in Matthew chapter eleven, where Jesus is talking uh, to his his disciples. We're in Matthew eleven verse twenty five. He says this: At that time, Jesus said, "I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father." No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son has chosen to reveal Him. And then in verse 28, He says, Come to Me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For My yoke is easy and My burden is light. So Jesus, the Lord of the harvest, says that He will give you rest, that a day of the week isn't going to give you rest. Keeping an exact day of the the week from sun up to sunrise to following the law, that was just a foreshadow of something so much better. It was a foreshadow of Jesus coming, and he says, I will give you rest. So the Sabbath day doesn't give you rest. Jesus gives you rest. He says, take my yoke upon me and learn from me, and you'll find rest for your souls. So these people found rest from their daily duties and work, but Jesus is offering something even greater, and that's rest for our souls. He says, "His yoke is easy, and his burden is light." See, the opposite of rest is not just uh, stress. Stress and rest are not the opposite. Stress and busyness are not opposite. What I think is a godly example of the opposite of of rest is a lack of trust. When we trust in God. We find complete rest for our souls. When we trust in God completely, we find rest for our souls. And so whether we are running from basketball practice to grocery shopping, to work, to home, to cleaning, to cooking, to whatever we're doing, we can be busy and still have rest for our souls. And that's only, how are we going to find rest for our souls? The only way is through Jesus. His burden is light. In Proverbs 31, it's talking about a most excellent woman. And uh, 31, 25 says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. Talks about how um, she's not afraid of the winter coming, how she has things stored up and she's ready. Um, I think that's a foreshadow of Jesus because Jesus says, there's uh, nothing that you need to worry about. What can you add to your life by worry? Don't I take care of the birds of the air? Don't I make the the grass and the flowers grow? And um, so we can trust the Lord for everything. And when we trust the Lord, that's where we find rest. We don't find rest in taking a day legalistically from sunrise to sunset. We find rest when we come to Jesus and we sit at his feet and we learn from him. That is the place we find rest. And I believe that rest really equals godliness. So in our week, we need to find time that we carve out, that we come away and spend time with Jesus. Because um, if we don't find that time where we come away and spend time with Jesus, then we can't be restful in our busyness. We are all busy. We all have things that we're doing day to day, day to day. But we, we, can, we can have rest in those moments, but that rest comes from time spent with Jesus. So first, we need to spend time with Jesus. What do I mean by spending time with Jesus? That's time where everything else is blocked off, and all of our attention in our heart, all of attention in our soul and our mind is on God alone. For a lot of people, that means reading the Bible and just sitting and meditating on the Scripture Meditating, I mean by thinking it over and considering it and trying to apply it to our lives. For many people, it's sitting quietly before the Lord and letting the Holy Spirit speak to them. It can be on a walk, so you're less distracted from things at your home and just talking with the Lord. And it says, come to me. That's the first part. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. So the first step is finding that time that we spend with Jesus. When we come to Him, He'll give us rest. But that first part is so important. If we don't come to him, if we don't find time that's concentrated just on Jesus, we're not going to find rest. Rest for our very souls. And once we find that rest, that rest is found by casting all of our cares on Jesus. So that's taking every burden and Working it through the lens of Jesus. So maybe it's finances, and you say, you know, things seem impossible. But God, I'm trusting you and the things that seem impossible to me uh, are possible with you. And finding scripture that uh, encourages us and lifts us up, um, that God, you own cattle on a thousand hills and money is no object to you and you rule over nations and and people groups and there is nothing impossible and you can provide finances for me. If it's a broken marriage, God, you restore all things. God, you are able to make things that are broken (laughs) come back together. You are the person that continually to brings life to dead situations. And so, God can do all of these things, but the first step is, come to me. The first step is to cast your cares on God. And then through the lens of Jesus, everything changes. Through the lens of Jesus, um, our lives are renewed. And there's this other word, restored, a restoration to restore. It has the word rest right in there, restore. It restores our mind when we spend time with Jesus. Restore means to bring back. It's a bring back to a previous right standing, So when we rest, when we restore ourselves in Jesus, we're bringing our minds and our hearts back to the previous place where it should stay the whole time, but because of uh, life situations, it doesn't. So we restore ourselves. We bring ourselves back into alignment with God through the word of God, through the Bible, through listening to the voice of God himself. We restore ourselves. We rest and we restore And after we've rested and restored ourselves, then we face our day. And as we walk through busyness, we're resting because we're trusting and we're set our whole lives are set apart and can be a light and a witness to other people because we're not worried about the things that we should be worried about. We're not stressed. Even in our busyness, we're not stressed. We're resting in our day-to-day. We're resting as we do our grocery shopping. We're resting as we uh, get in our kids into their basketball game. We're resting because our we have come to Jesus first. We have come away with Jesus first, and He has restored our souls, restored our mindset to remember that everything flows to Him and through Him. So we see that God models resting in Genesis. We see that um, God gives a law about resting to Moses and the Israelites. He says, if you rest, it will be a sign between us, and it will make you holy. Resting makes you holy. So that was a foreshadow of Jesus coming. When Jesus came, he said, I'm the Lord of the, ha- the harvest. Our earth, not the harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest, but he is the Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus is the Lord of rest. And then he says, if you come to me... I will give you rest. I'm your Sabbath. I'm your Sabbath in, in, in bodily form. Jesus is your Sabbath. And if you come to him, you'll find rest. And then in your day-to-day-to-day-to-day, you will walk in rest. But first, you must come to him. in the book of jeremiah he says i will give you rest for your very soul and it's that in jeremiah 6 16 and that's um looking forward to jesus coming and that's just an amazing uh, prophecy that in uh in jeremiah that he'll, he would say that he's going to give you rest for your very soul and that's really better than resting um in a physical sense, rest for your soul is so much better. And Jeremiah six sixteen says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. And that's where many of us stand in that same place. Here's the path. Jeremiah is prophesying and he says, here's the path it's a good way. Walk in it and you'll find rest. This is easy. Walk in this path and you'll have everything you need. And in Peter, it says um, that the Lord will give us everything we need to live life and to live it his way. Here it is. Here's the answer, the big answer. Here's your sign. Go this way and it will be good. And then it concludes with this, but you said we will not walk in it. And many times we're standing in that same place. We are going from, from the busyness of our life and we're choosing not to walk in rest. Just like Jeremiah is saying, uh, but you said we will not walk in it. So here's the answer for rest for your soul. Here's the answer um, to to be able to laugh at the future ahead of you and to be joyful about the future, to not worry about anything. It's to come to Jesus. But we continually Monday, say, uh, I will not walk in it. Tuesday, we say, I will not walk in it. Here is your rest. But we are choosing day after day not to walk in it. Why? Why? It's a scheme of the enemy. It's a tool of the devil to get us so busy that we don't come near our Savior. We have a free gift. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. And we say, I will not walk in it. It's right there. The answer is right next to us. I used to work um, in an office building and there was a lady that wa- watered the plants that was her job and she went on vacation and she reminded all of us don't forget to water the plants. And there was one particular plant and it was right near the water cooler. And we said yeah 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 we're all going to we're going to water the plants no big deal. <laughs> she was on vacation for 2 weeks and right before she came back I thought oh we got to water the plants. <laughs> I totally forgotten. I went over to the the, the plant right near the water cooler, right next to a big, bubbling, huge thing of water, and it had shriveled up. The water was right next to it. Right next to it. And I feel like it's such a picture of our lives. There is living water, the Bible, Jesus, right next to us, available with a, you know, flip of a button. It's right there. And yet, Uh, We're so close to it. It's so available to us, and yet we don't use it. And um, I actually took a picture of the water cooler and the plant right next to each other, (laughs) a shriveled up plant that just needed water, and the water was right next to it. Um, So this is the reminder that you need a cup of water, (laughs) that you need to replenish your soul, to restore yourself, bring yourself back to the right standing with God. And that's through His Word. That's through spending time with Him. And we don't want to be like the people that Jeremiah is, is prophesying about saying, but we will not walk in it. We have rest. We need to walk in it. Our daily lives should be lives of rest, that we should have the yoke of Jesus, which is easy and light. Rest doesn't mean that we're not working for the Lord. It just means that we're not uh, living in a stressful, um, we're not holding on to the control of our lives. The control of our lives belongs to God Himself. You know, we could do everything right, but God has ultimate power over our lives. So, we could um, plan things and hope for things, but you know, Our lives are in God's hands. Whether we like it or not, whether we give Him control or not, He has control. And so we can either trust Him or not trust Him. God is in control of every situation. Will we recognize that in our lives? It's not giving God control. It's recognizing that He already has it. And when we take it back, that's when we worry about our kids. When we take it back, that's when we worry about our marriage. We should still be working Um, on discipling our kids, working on our marriage, working on these things, but realizing that God is ultimately in control of all of them. So we rest as we work. Do you see? Rest is a continual thing for us now. Resting in Jesus, we come to Him, we take on His way, we learn from Him, and we walk in rest. As we work on troubled situations, we aren't Worried about how they'll turn out. We're trusting in Jesus first. We come to him, and then God gives us wisdom and understanding on how to deal with situations. We walk in that rest and we trust him. All right, so we've looked at God in Genesis talking about rest as the ultimate wa- model. Talked about God uh, speaking to Moses in Exodus, giving a law about how the Sabbath would make them holy, and Jesus saying, I am Lord of the Sabbath. And our final rest, our final example of rest is heaven. There will come a day where Jesus will return and he will take his bride, the church, with him. And that's where we will find rest uh, in every way possible because we'll be in the presence of God. And then we will have the ultimate Sabbath. We will have the ultimate rest because not only will uh, we know in our head and our heart, but our sight will be made real. Our sight will see God himself, our sight will see Jesus himself. Rest is godliness. When we're restful in our daily lives, we're godly. And so my prayer and my hope for you is that you will come away with Jesus today. You'll come away from the busyness of life. You'll come away from your regular routine, and you'll restore yourself to a right understanding of God, who God is, and who you are. If we get those things in line, we realize how great God is. We realize how mighty He is. We have a right understanding of God. When we realize exactly who we are, what God has saved us from, and because the Spirit of God is in us, what we're capable of, with Jesus' help, we'll have an understanding of who we are, an understanding of God and ourselves. Then we can walk in rest. I hope that this has been helpful to you today, and I hope that your complete trust will be in God and that you'll come to Him and you'll find rest for your very soul. I am so thankful for God and the way He's designed us. I'm so thankful that um, it's not a a works-based faith that we have. It's not how many things we can do. It's how much we can trust. And our example is little children. If we can become like a little child and trust God and have faith like a child, then Uh, We'll be doing all right. So I'm going to pray one more time for us and close our time together today. God, I thank you for your design of the human race, that you've designed us for rest. We thank you for your example of rest throughout the Bible, and we thank you for your, for sending your son Jesus, that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of rest. God, I pray that each of us find our own time today to come to you, and that, God, you will take our yoke, you'll take our burdens, you'll take our cares, you'll take our worries upon yourself, and that, God, you'll replace them with peace, peace that passes worldly understanding, and that, and that God, that peace would guard our minds and our hearts in you, and that, God, we would filter our day through you, that we would walk uh, in the busyness of our lives in rest, that we could have that contradiction at the same time, that we would be busy, but yet, God, we would be so rested because we've already come to you. God, help us to make that a priority. Help us to make you a priority, that, God, we would place you in the highest place and everything else underneath. Thank you for rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen.